Take your Bibles, please find Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And this is going to be part two of the message because that was a tremendous introduction and great word when we talk about joining Jesus in the harvest. Amen? Amen. And so Matthew chapter 9, we'll get some application here. And I just uh, want to thank you for standing with Pastor Angel and his wife and their family and uh, holding their arms up so they can indeed be uh, those huggers that are there in a very critical part of really our world. In fact, uh, give you a challenge, and this may be something that the that our, our younger people may be more interested in than, than some of the rest of us, although I don't want to count any of you out. Um, how, how many of you now know how to Google. You know what that means when I say Google. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I just can't help but, I, so oftentimes when I come back to Kimsville, I get a little bit nostalgic and, and, uh, cause I was here in the late, in the mid to late nineties with Jennifer and, uh, at that point we, we didn't have any kids and we ended up with one and now we have three. Um, and, uh, and, and I would have had no idea what you're talking about if someone had said, hey, Google this. Um, but I also would have had no idea what like one of these things was either a smartphone. I, I mean, to me, this is like, you know, something you'd have seen on old Star Trek reruns. But I'll give you something to Google. Google this question. How many nations are there in the world? You should find the answer to be one hundred and ninety six. Interesting discovery. The SBC of Virginia has done some research on our mission field, right, immediate mission field. Okay, let's shrink it down from the whole world to right here into Virginia and Metro D.C. We've discovered that there are 190 of the 196 nations represented right here. Right here. And so, loved ones, that's why it is so imperative for us to understand what Jesus is going to say to us today here in this gospel passage. And that is this most profound point. Jesus invites us to join him in the harvest. I mean, right now, one of my colleagues, one of your missionaries with the SBCV, Jack Noble, who's probably most known in Virginia for training all of our, a lot of our disaster relief volunteers, is on the front lines there on the Macedonian border as Syrian refugees are making that treacherous trip with their life in their hands, trying to get to a safe place where their wives and daughters won't be pillaged, where they won't be murdered, and they are arriving there. And he's been sending us these emails each day uh, as kind of an email journal. And I've been captivated by these simple emails as he talks about what it's like for these people who are hungry and harassed and seemingly so helpless to have risked everything to flee death, murder, and disaster. And these are folks who may have been doctors and lawyers and pharmacists and teachers, and they're coming with nothing but the clothes on their back. And he says they will stand in line all day for a cup of water, a cup of hot tea, something to eat. And he says they've set up a playground area. He says, but yet still, if you listen close, you'll hear the children laughing and playing. And so, loved ones, we have a mission in this world. Amen? 
And whether you find yourself on the other side of the world or whether you find yourself right here in Hampton Roads or there with Pastor Angel and their family ministering, understand this. There is a harvest and Jesus invites us to join him in that harvest. So I want to invite you to stand and let's hear God's word. That's the portion I really want you to take away from this, not my words, But look at the last part of chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. Here's God's word. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. And so then he said this to his disciples. Listen to this. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, today I pray that you would indeed, Lord, help us to understand You're calling upon us to join you in this harvest. Lord, I pray that today we will have already been been touched and inspired and reminded of who you are through the time of praise and worship, how blessed we are by the time of fellowship. And God, really, Lord, the opportunity before us, as Pastor Angel's already shared with us this wonderful, wonderful message today. And so, God, I pray now you will give us the application Give us the scriptural application. Give us this scriptural reminder and challenge, God, to join you in the harvest. God, I thank you for Brother Kelly, Miss Brenda, for their legacy of being partners in the harvest, for the team here, for the pastoral staff, the support staff, the ministers here, deacons, leaders, Sunday school teachers, volunteers, folks working right now so we can hear the word of God. God, thank you for the men who have been sent out from this place, who've been in this pulpit these past couple of months. And God, I pray for Brother Kelly as he'll come back here as he comes into this pulpit. God, I thank you for his friendship, for his partnership, for his leadership, and for his stewardship of the gospel. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to hear your word. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. Now, Here's what I want you to think. When you think about the harvest, you know what I can't help but think about is how the harvest is always a crisis. You need to understand that. Did you hear what I said? The harvest is always a crisis. I mean, it basically goes like this. You plant and you have something that's green and then it goes to ripe. And then if you're not careful, it will quickly go to rotten. The harvest is always in crisis mode. Farmers have to come to terms with the fact that life kind of just goes that way. My granddad, my granddad was really in his heart of hearts a farmer. He was a farmer in southeast North Carolina. Now he did a lot of other things to make ends meet because farmers kind of learn how to do that, all right? And so he did a lot of carpentry and the like. But really at his heart, he was a farmer. And I can remember, I grew up over in Newport News. My parents would load us up and we would drive down there to North Carolina to visit uh, my grandparents and cousins and all that. And I remember we would drive down this road. We'd take a left turn onto what then was a dirt road. We would take another left turn onto what was then also still a dirt road. 
And I remember we would be coming down, and oftentimes, I can remember, we'd pull into their little drive, and there you would see the dust out in the field. That's because you would see Granddaddy out there on that tractor. Why? Because the harvest is always a crisis. He'd be out there, and he'd whip that tractor around, and he'd come back up. And he'd stop, and he'd come out, and he'd give my brother and myself a big hug. And I can remember oftentimes as a little boy that, that he would give me a little portion of one of his fields there, and I'd throw out all of his tools, and, and just with a granddad's patience, he would just sit there, and he would, he would let us throw out his tools, and, and I would, and I'd kind of dig there in my little portion, turn it over dirt, turn it over dirt. And for a city kid, that was a big deal. But I could still remember seeing granddaddy out there, and, and it would, it would go in the season where there would be planting, There'd be watering, and then there'd be reaping. And I'm always struck by how critical the harvest was for him as a farmer. And loved ones, when Jesus here in this scripture looks out into the field, you're struck with how he sees the harvest as mission critical. And men and women, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you today, loved ones, listen, the harvest field, the mission is critical. When you look here in this passage, some things strike out at me. First of all, it says right here in verse 35, then Jesus went. Then Jesus went. And, you know, when I when I see that right there, I'm reminded that Baptists, we didn't come up with the idea of missionaries. We really didn't. Now, I'm, I'm really thankful for how we have a tremendous method of sending missionaries and church planting and the like. But I want you to see here in these first three words, when the Bible says, then Jesus went, understand this, you and I today, we worship a Lord and Savior who is a missionary God. No one was ever willing, no one ever did travel any further and sacrifice any more than the Lord Jesus did himself. When he left heaven's Heaven's throne room itself to come and walk this earth as a human being. Now, I've seen three human beings born into this world. In fact, one of them, I still remember being here today. I was over. The Family Life Center was not had not long been built. I was over there near the offices, and the knock came at the door, and it was Mr. Taylor telling me that Jennifer's on the phone. She's in labor. It's time to get to the hospital in Norfolk. And I can remember being there and and, and waiting, and, and, and it's our first, first time ever in a room like that and didn't really know what to expect. We went to the classes but it just did not help me a whole lot, all right? And so I'm in there, and, and, and all of a sudden, the baby, she's born. And the doctor puts the baby in my hands. And I have to tell you, as I've thought back on the birth of my three children, it does not look like it was a pleasant experience for either of them, all right? I mean, it looks like it was a rather traumatic experience. And you sit there and you think about a little baby born into this world and they're being manhandled, they're being cleaned up and, and then they're wrapped and then they have to wear a diaper and then a baby has to, if they want something, they have to cry out for it. They have to learn how to walk. They have to learn how to talk. They have to learn how to go to the bathroom. And I want you just to think about something for a moment here. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible tells us that Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself when he became human being to walk this earth so he could identify with us and become our Lord and Savior. Understand this. 
The one who spoke the universe into existence had to learn how to talk. The one who would walk on water had to learn how to walk. The one who is the rightful ruler of all humanity had to tolerate the trembling hands of a young girl trying to pin a diaper on him. When you read the three words, then Jesus went, never forget how far Jesus came so you and I could know salvation. So you know what? It's right for us and we should applaud and give thanks for those whom God sends out to the uttermost parts of the world. But understand this, no one will ever come or go any further or sacrifice any more than our Lord Jesus did Himself. So let that be your motivation, loved ones. Let that be your motivation. And it says here, then He went about the cities and the villages, you know, Jesus went to the big cities, he went to the little places. He went to rural, he went to the rural places, he went to the urban places. And he, he, he was teaching in their synagogues. Listen, today, some of you, you are teaching in Sunday school and maybe you're just wondering today, is it really worth it? Was it, is it really worth it teaching these children in Sunday school? Understand this, listen, 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 there are so many people who come to faith in Christ because you're willing to teach and serve in a local church. Then it says preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And indeed, Pastor Angel, one of the greatest needs, one of the greatest cries of humanity, one of the greatest illnesses is the reality that they've never felt the compassion of another human being. And so understand this, we have a ministry in our churches and we have a ministry in our communities. And Jesus models this. We have a tremendous model of how we're to embrace the harvest field. And then verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, four words I'll give you today that are involved in joining Jesus in the harvest. Here's the first one. Be real simple to remember. Just jot them down. The first word is seeing. He sees. It says when he saw the multitudes. That's more than just a casual glance. That's giving attention with your mind. That's seeing with your heart today as I got off a of US 460 and I got on the US 58. For some reason, it just hit me right there as cars were going by me or as I was going by them. As I began to look in those cars and I thought, oh, I bet it looks like they're going to church. It looks like he's going hunting or whatever. You know, I began to sit there and listen. These aren't just people passing by me in automobiles. These are people that are on a highway either to heaven or to hell. God help me to begin to see that she's more than just a waitress. She's a soul. She's an eternal soul. When Jesus saw the multitudes, that's the intensity of the word there. The reality is, is oftentimes I find that my vision needs correcting and I just don't recognize the lostness around me. I don't realize the intense darkness that is plaguing humanity. Almost 7 billion people, give or take, in the world needing Jesus. Almost 2 billion have never heard the name Jesus. If you, if you were to count to a billion, 
and count every second, it would take you 37 years to count to a billion. If you counted all day long, all night long, and you counted every single second, it'd take you 37 years to count to a billion. Folks, that's a long time. Folks, that's a lot of people that need Jesus. Joining Jesus in the harvest, number one, involves what? Seeing. you got to see. But then you got to do more than just see. You've got to care. The Bible says he was moved with compassion for them. Moved with compassion. We That translation there comes from a, a, a word in which we get our modern word spleen. It's the idea that when Jesus saw the multitudes, it hit him in his gut. It got him right here. It's kind of like, you know, sometimes now we'll be watching a movie. I remember one time. My children and I, we were watching this this movie. It's been years now. It's Bridge Over Terabithia or something. I think it was the movie. But anyhow, we're 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 watching it, and there's this just gut wrenching scene where one of the young people uh, dies. And, and 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 I don't know why all of a sudden, but the kids looked over at me, and and I'm sitting there, and I'm and I'm trying to hold back the tears, and I'm and I'm beginning to cry, and. And, 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 and my son Mark is most interested of all. Hey, dad, are you crying? Dad, are you crying? And I'm like, no, shut up, boys. My allergies are acting up. All right. I mean, <laughs> just leave me alone. Just give me a minute. All right. <laughs> Let me get my composure here. I mean, there'll be movies that we'll watch sometimes that grip us like that, move us to tears. Yet I can watch the late night news and I can see the agony of humanity and I can change the channel or turn it off and go right to sleep. That's not the way it was with Jesus. The Bible says he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Joining Jesus in the harvest, it involves seeing. It involves caring. Let me just kind of do a little game with you here. I'm going to say a word. I want you to tell me the opposite, okay? Are you ready? Ready? All right, this is kind of a midpoint break here just to let you kind of wake up. All right, ready? All right, I'm going to say a word. You say the opposite. Fast. Hot. High. Young. Soft, rich, compassion. That, that stumps you, doesn't it? You know, you know what some people will, some of us would say, uh, hatred. No, that, that's actually not true. The opposite of compassion isn't hatred. You want to know what it is? It's apathy. It's just not caring. Joining Jesus in the harvest, it involves seeing, it involves caring. He says, it says here in the Bible, why, why, why did this happen? Because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. They were like sheep who, who, who had no, no shepherd. It's the idea that they were hurting and they were helpless, that they were fatigued and forlorn. They were dejected and deserted. They were exhausted and exposed. It, it literally means to be torn and to be thrown down. Shepherds say that if sheep are, are, are not led to grass, they will literally eat dirt. Sheep have died 100 feet away from water, and they've died of thirst because they just don't get there without a shepherd. Let me just ask you a question. I mean, have you really? I haven't. I mean, have you ever heard of a wild pack of sheep? I haven't. I mean, they just don't do that. Sheep need a shepherd. They need a shepherd. 
The people around us need a shepherd. You may be here today and down deep, you need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. And ultimately, you, you don't really, you don't need me to be your shepherd. You don't, you don't really, it's not, it's not really, it's not really Brother Kelly who'll be your shepherd. We're, we're under shepherds. Really what you need is you need Jesus. You want to, you know what the key for really a successful marriage is in so many ways? Well, one is just, you just stay together, okay? I mean, that's just part of it, bottom line. But the, I'll tell you a key is this, is my wife is, my wife has told me this. She said, listen, you're, you're not my Messiah. I can't be. And praise God that job's taken. I used, to, I used to try to remember as a youth pastor when I was here. Listen, I, I'm not your Messiah. Jesus is your Messiah. I remember Pastor, when well, he was Derek then, now he's Pastor Derek, Futrell, Pastor, Pastor Derek. You know, I remember he, that was something that we, we carried with us. I think about, I think about how really this church in so many ways, it's one of the lessons that, that I picked up when I was here on, on this staff here was the idea that, that, that it, that in this church, it was about us as the body of Christ, you as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ working together. With your pastors and with your deacons and with your leaders and with teachers and with volunteers and with people who may or may not have had a name badge. I mean, the reality is this, is we're the body of Christ, but we understand we have Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the shepherd. And when Jesus looked at them, he saw people who needed a shepherd. But when we look, what are we seeing? Joining Jesus in the harvest involves seeing. It involves then caring, and then Jesus says something interesting. He says in verse 37, he then looks at his disciples, and he says, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, listen guys, pray. You see, joining Jesus in the harvest involves seeing, it involves caring, but it involves praying. And Jesus looks at him and says, you need to pray about something. You need to pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. you got to pray. It's the picture here of us praying for a movement of God and praying for God to equip us and to grip us and to empower us and to send us. But it involves praying. Don't skip that part. Sometimes I just want to get on with the action plan, you know? I want to kind of get on with with the strategic steps that we have ahead of us. But don't forget that it is very, very important for you to be an army of prayer warriors. And I look across this room and I think of so many of you who, who, who you're that. You're prayer warriors. And please, please, joining Jesus in the harvest, your prayers are so important. It's not natural for a public school to call Pastor Angel. But I'm kind of betting here some folks been praying. And with all, anything could have come to that principal's mind. Call child welfare services. Bring in the guidance counselor. I mean, you realize there's like, you know, 40, 50,000 guidance counselors employed in the, in the U.S. My wife's a public school teacher. 7,000 school psychologists are employed by school systems across the country. But on that day, in a metro area, that principal thought to call pastor. Now, I'm not saying the other positions aren't worthy, but I'm just, I'm just grateful for the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ so that that pastor had an open door because you see Jesus wasn't just he wasn't just looking with sadness he wasn't just he wasn't just caring like oh well that's mm, that's so unfortunate it says here it says in verse 35 that he was preaching 
the gospel of the kingdom. It's the Greek word evangelion. It's the good news. You know what? Because in the end, that's what we need. We need some good news. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to know we don't have to be our own Messiah. Listen, friend, you don't have to be your own Messiah. You don't have to carry the baggage and the weight of your sin for the rest of your life. You don't have to wonder what happens in eternity. You can put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who was willing to come for you and for me and for the world. So when you pray, when you pray, you are actually praying the prayer request of the Lord Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? You know, usually when I go to a prayer meeting, when I think about praying, I think about that what we're doing, choir, is we're usually sharing our prayer requests, wanting Jesus to answer our prayers, right? But this is flipped here. It's, it's, I find this very interesting. It says here that Jesus says, Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus, it's like Jesus raises his hand and says, I got a prayer request. Students, he's like, I got a prayer request. Pray, pray for more harvesters. And then by the way, Jesus is the one asking for the prayer. And then guess who answers the prayer? You. You are the ones that Jesus is going to mobilize to be the answer to the prayer. It says here in the Bible, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labor. Oh yes, it's the Lord who sends you out, but it's you who are the sent out. And that's the fourth action. Joining Jesus in the harvest involves what? Seeing, two, caring, three, praying, and fourth is sending. Sending. And sending really involves two Two parts. One is giving. We give so folks can be sent. We give so gifts can be sent. You, you give so people can be sent. But it also involves going. It also involves going. You see, you're either the sent or you're the senders. Or you're in sin. <laughs> That's pretty much it. All right? I'll boil it down real simple for you. Joining Jesus in the harvest involves sending. And when it says send out here, that literally means to throw you out. You want to know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, listen, a few minutes here, here's what, here's what needs to happen. We're going to take you guys, and we're going to bundle you up, and we're going to throw you out of this building. We're going to throw you out so you can be harvesters. That's, the, that's what he's saying. It's it's very straight and straightforward, very simple. Jesus commissions us, he empowers us. You'll see you see that if you keep reading on in Matthew chapter 10. And so understand this, listen, listen. You you don't you're, you're not sent in your own power, folks. You're not sent in your own power. Remember Jesus, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria unto the ends of the earth. But it's, it's important for us to join in the harvest. So here's, here's, here's how we respond. We have to ask, ask the Lord to give us eyes to see the harvest. To give us hearts to care. To bend our knees in prayer. And to get our feet ready to be sent. Because it is, listen, the harvest is always a what? A crisis. The harvest is time sensitive. Theologian Carl 
F.H. Henry said this, it is only good news if it gets there in time. It's only good news, friend, if it gets there in time. That's why we have to see, we have to care, we, we must pray and we must send. I can remember driving down or riding down with my folks that dirt road. We'd get near Granddaddy and Grandma's house, and I'd see that dust out there, and I would know he was on his tractor. And I would get out of the car, and I would run to the end of his driveway, and I would stand there, and I'd look across the road onto that field that he was plowing. And I'd see him whip that tractor around, and he'd come back, and I'd see him put it in park. And then I would stand there and I knew one thing that could happen is he'd hop off that tractor and he'd come over and he'd say, let me go in the house and get washed up and let's sit down and tell me about what you've been doing back home. Let's get something to eat. And that would have been fine. But you know what I was really hoping he was going to do? That he would turn around on that tractor and he'd look at me and he'd point at me and he'd say, come here. And I'd cross that dirt road. And I'd walk up to that big tractor and he'd reach down his hand and he'd jerk me up there and he'd plop me on that seat in his lap and he'd crank it back up and we'd go off to plowing some more. Now, as a city kid, I wasn't foolish enough. I wasn't wanting him to say, hey, I'm going to get off the tractor. Why don't you plow the 20 acres on your own? I really wouldn't have known what to have done, to be honest with you. You know what I wanted. I just wanted to be invited to join my granddad in the harvest. I wanted, I knew he needed to do the driving. I knew he knew what to harvest. And that's what Jesus invites you and me to be a part of. He says, won't you just, why don't you get on the tractor with me and join me in the harvest? I know what's right. Oh, that's still green, but I know what's ripe. You just join me in the harvest. So that's the invitation, friend. Why don't you just get on the tractor with Jesus, church, and join him in the harvest. So I want to invite you this today as we pray. We're going to have a song of invitation. Pastors will be down front. If you are here today and you are, come on, Andrew, and you're a sheep without a shepherd, The good news is this, is that Jesus sees your need. He cares, and he was willing to come for you. So won't you now, today, just come forward, just come to this, right about where this cross is. Tell one of the pastors that you know you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You don't have to have any fancy words or anything like that, no. You just come to Jesus. And we're going to love and encourage you as you begin a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're not really officially a part of this church. I invite you to come forward today and become a member. This field needs harvesting. And we need to join together. Don't just stand there watching what's going on. Come on. Join in. We invite you to become a member of this church. 
Perhaps you want to come and kneel and pray for the harvest. Maybe you want to stand right where you are. Maybe you just want to come here and give Pastor Angel and his dear wife just a hug and just shake their hand and say, we're praying for you. Maybe right as you stand today, you want to write down the name of someone you're going to start to pray for. And if, you, if, you, if you're looking for a name, you know what? Pray for my brother. Pray that my brother will respond and trust Jesus. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying for our sins. Holy Spirit, Help us to see and to know that we're empowered to join Jesus in the harvest. Oh, Lord God, move among us. The fields are wide unto harvest. In Jesus' name.